The Hill Country Patriot. He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on the, I guess, you know, uh, Harley uses that term mini Friday for Thursdays. Would this be a mini Thanksgiving? I think this is mini Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve. And I believe, and this just popped into my brain 30 seconds ago, but I believe that the night before Thanksgiving, more heavy drinking goes on than New Year's Eve. I'm not kidding. I think I've heard that somewhere. It's a statistic. There's something because everybody knows they don't have to get up in the morning. Apparently, the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is a very, very dangerous night. So, folks, uh, don't be an amateur. You know, only really true drunks know how to drink and drive. If you're an amateur, you really don't know how to drink and drive. And I did say that with my tongue in my cheek. But uh, uh, let's not uh, make it amateurs night. Y'all be safe and uh, have a good Thanksgiving tomorrow instead of having to have your family come up to the hospital to uh, check on you. So got lots of things on the calendar. I want to thank Tejas Smoke Depot for uh, being a sponsor of this show. We got lots of things coming up on the calendar. want to give you an update. It is 81 days till primary voting starts. 81 days till primary voting starts. Primary voting starts this year on uh, St. Valentine's Day. And so, uh, gentlemen out there, the uh, the same men I always see at HEB at 515 on Valentine's evening, uh, Valentine's Day, I'm going to be giving you see a daily countdown, so you're not going to have any excuse. So we have 81 days till primary voting starts and 81 days till uh, Valentine's Day. So uh, also, the uh, Fredericksburg Tea Party, if you are not subscribed to their newsletter, then you need to do so. Uh, most of the things I talk about in on here on the calendar are also going to be in the Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter that comes out every Monday. And so all the details are there. And uh, you can save yourself a phone call or an email to me uh, that has a, a question about an event or something on the calendar if you're subscribed to the Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter. So go to fredericksburgteaparty.org, uh, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, there was some kind of uh, attack on WordPress and GoDaddy yesterday, last couple of days. We've worked our way around that. I think everything's back in control um, and so if you had issues with our website in the last couple of days, that was kind of a nationwide event. But go check it out. Sign up for the newsletter. Now, if you're already signed up for the newsletter, you're going to get an email today that is very, very important. In fact, we'll uh, even discuss this uh, coming up here with uh, Wes Verdell, who is a candidate for uh, representative for House District 53, and we will ask him about this. But you're going to get an email today um call getting you to call for a special session 
we have a long list of Republicans who have already uh, publicly either written a letter or came out publicly and uh, called Governor Abbott to uh, bring a special session for one reason, to end these vaccine mandates, to end this government coercion of putting a chemical into your body. Is it not, uh, I don't know, is it kind of like rape? Put something in your body you don't want? And, and use and manipulate you whatever way they can, either through pressure from your work, threatening to uh, uh, put uh, to change careers, uh, to change jobs. Folks, this is this is akin to rape. They just want to put a shot in your body, not something else. And so, if you get today's email, please read through it. Follow directions. The best person to call right now to get to the governor's office is a fellow by the name of Steve Munisteri. If you've been around in the Republican Party for, of Texas for any length of time, you'll know that Steve Munisteri was actually the chairman of the uh, Texas Republican Party a while back. He is now Abbott's senior policy advisor. So if you can give Steve Munisteri a call today, and I'm going to give you his number here in a minute, so get your... Uh, your uh, big chief tablet out and uh, a pencil and uh, write down this number for Steve Munisteri. And uh, it spells just like it sounds, S-T-E-V-E. Um, Steve Munisteri, and uh, his number is 512-463-1830. 512-463-1830. This is Governor Abbott's. Senior Policy Director, and what you need to do is you call Mr. Munisteri up on that number and tell him that you really want to see a special session to uh, shut down these vaccine mandates at all levels, businesses, private businesses, uh, state uh, organizations, the state guard, all of this. The governor, uh, actually the governor has the power to call the special session. Honestly, he doesn't have the power on his own to to ban all those he could do uh he could do an executive order but you know how happy we are with executive orders out of washington um why should we be happy with executive orders out of texas so this needs to be done by the legislature here's uh steve munisteri's number again 512-463-1830 and if you've been calling the capitol you already know that all the phone numbers at the Capitol start with 512-463, every last one of them. So you just need to add Munisteri at 1-830-1830, call him up and tell him to advise the governor to call a special session in order to uh, get the legislature to pass a bill that says nobody under any conditions can force you to put something into your body that you don't want there that would be a shot or anything else quite frankly if you'll start equating it with that that might uh, maybe wake up a few cells in your head um all right uh, on the calendar we have this saturday no not this saturday saturday a week from now the first saturday prayer at the kerrville courthouse that's at eleven thirty at the flagpole um uh, 12 6 monday mercy gate ministries fundraiser uh 12 7 um uh, that is a tuesday we the people liberty in action young adults are going to be meeting at pint and plow and then on monday the 13th seth keschel 
is going to be coming to Kerrville, and uh, we're really excited about that one. So as we get closer to these, uh, these are all a week and a half out at least, and so as we get closer, I'll give you all the details, but get them on your calendar. And if I didn't say this, by the way, all those uh, events are in the Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter, which goes out every Monday, so you need to subscribe to that. All right, give you a little bit of a Ben Franklin before we take off here. Um, let's see, he that scatters thorns, let him not go barefoot. <laughs> yeah, don't be scattering, uh, um, don't be scattering uh, stickers and then go barefoot. Y'all stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with Wes Verdell. Folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. By the way, I haven't said this in a few days. Um, when I get home from uh, my program every day, um, I uh, take the program, clean the news and the weather out of it, and and put it up onto as a podcast up onto Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and uh, one more Anchor. And uh, so these are available usually on the same day. Um, usually by the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> so if you found something that you uh, heard something that you thought, oh, that Matt can't believe that Matt Long said such a horrible thing, you can uh, find it there. And uh, you can also get it uh, simultaneously. You can listen to us on the Internet at hillcountrypatriot.com. And they rotate those out. They keep a week at a time of programming up there at hillcountrypatriot.com. I want to welcome into the studio, deep down underground in the bunker, Hill Country Patriot, uh, Mr. Wes Verdell, who is running as uh, to represent House District 53. Good morning, Mr. Verdell. Morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have um, we this. Uh, I have the same question that I ask uh, every candidate who is challenging an incumbent. And uh, it's the very, very same question, and I think it's very important to ask it right away. So you would not run for this office, for uh, for House District 53, if you thought that the current person in there was doing a bang-up great job. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> so you would not be running for that. No. I mean, we just that's human nature. You wouldn't want to just challenge somebody. So tell us why. Tell us why you think your cur- the current representative for HD 53 should be replaced by you. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll jump right into that. So when we look at his voting record over this last session, there's a lot there to dig into and unwrap. Uh, one of those things was he was a sponsor of the voter integrity bill that came through the House. And underneath that, uh, or under his, his leadership, they took a, an amendment, amendment number 50. And in that amendment, it reduced voter fraud from a felony to a misdemeanor. And he voted for that amendment, and then, like I said, he was a sponsor of it, so he's the one that gaveled that in and passed it on. Uh, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. When we have this issue, and then we have Republicans that have voted to reduce voter fraud from a felony to a misdemeanor, should that should be the entire item right there. It's like, yep, that's enough. Time for him to go. But then we look back at uh, the beginning of the session. So Representative Brian Slayton had proposed that only Republicans could chair committees. And, uh, and anyways, Andy Murr voted against that, which essentially means he voted to allow Democrats to chair powerful committees. And when we talk about that, 
a lot of people think, uh, you know, how do the Dem- or people people don't ask how do the Democrats end up chairing these committees? Well, that's the Speaker of the House, a Republican that appoints those guys, mm-hmm. and no other state would allow this to happen. They don't. If the Democrats are in control, they don't allow Republicans to chair any committees. But what the re- reason they do this is whenever uh, there's bills that they don't want, because a lot of them up there aren't really Republican, but they run as a Republican. And whenever there's a bill they don't want, they get that Democrat chair to kill that bill in the committee, and then they can go back to their district and say, hey, we fought for it, but a Democrat killed it, mm-hmm. hoping that the people don't realize that that Democrat was appointed by the Republicans to begin with. You know, I have been following um – this is three sessions now, my third session of, of being in the deep end of the pool. Uh, four sessions ago, um, I was I was just checking things out. So I yep. was, I've been there four sessions now, including the specials. Um, but that first one was really me just uh, trinkling my uh, toes into the shallow end of the pool. But one of the things I've noticed, and it is quite a pattern, on the first day when the House meets on the first day, they do two things. They vote for the Speaker, yep, and they vote for the House rules. And um, there are a lot of people out. How do I, let's see? Let me put this. Uh, let me figure out how to say this. If you if you go to Austin and on that first day, if you stand up to the powers that be, there's that cabal yep. of 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 uh, origami. I call them origami Republicans because they just fold and bend to whatever thing that <laughs> comes much. along. Um, if you stand up to those guys on day one, and we've had enough examples of that, Brian Slayton in this last session, yeah. um, and every session there's at least one person. The very first session that Kyle Biederman was in, he was with a group of people that uh, there was 19 of them that decided to stand up against the speaker uh, running for election at the time, Joe Strauss. They were all severely punished. In fact, you can follow the careers of all of those people being punished. So if you go in there, are you? what are you going to do on day one, and how do you explain to folks why you have uh, no power up at the Capitol if you stand yeah. up to leadership on day one? Yeah, so the thing is, is, if people really saw what happened at the Capitol, they'd probably burn the Capitol down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bunch of people that think they're in a fraternity or sorority, you know, I have to limit what I tell you right now on, on air about what they do over there, but it's not good. And so anyways, I do plan on going in there. If the Speaker of the House, current Speaker of the House, asks me to endorse him for the next Speaker of the House, I won't do it. And I'll tell him, hey, you have two years to prove to me that you're actually a Republican that's going to stand up and fight for us. If he doesn't prove it then, then he won't have my support next time either. But yeah, they do punish you for that. And they say, okay, fine. You're not going to get on good committees. You're not going to be able to get anything done. But the, the truth is, is those people don't get anything done anyways when they suck up to them. So. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the truth? Yeah, so yeah. Why, why would I waste my time sucking up to you when you're not going to get anything done? We have been told over and over by people on the insiders in both the Senate and the House that it is really all but rigged. Every bill, every yeah. major thing that comes along. And so as going in as a freshman, um, if you were to win this seat, if you stand by the principles you've been talking about, you're going to have to stand up to these guys. Yep. And um, that's not going to be an easy job. A lot of this starts in the Republican caucus. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've heard stories uh, last year um, with the uh, last session, the Republican caucus actually kind of split into two groups. 
and each group claimed that they were the Republican caucus, and it was yeah. they met on two successive Sundays, I believe, and each one said that they were the true Republican caucus. What do you see as far as Republicans standing together in Austin? Where do you see yourself fitting into that? Well, uh, I would be on the side that is the real Republican. That's uh, that's something that, that we have kind of coined over the last couple of years is, is real Republicans. That means that you believe in limited government. And so you go back and look through their voting records. One of the things that they can do is, is they can make it look like they have conservative voting records, and they can actually vote on a bill, and it goes in as that. But then they can turn around and go right back into said, oh, I didn't mean to vote on that. And they can change their vote. So when you look at their votes, you don't see that they actually voted against a Republican agenda. Uh, it's, it's a trick that they do. They know, they know that people aren't going to dig in further past that. But anyways, when we talk about uh, positioning ourselves – we have to get more representatives in there that are actually going to stand for Republican values and not just pull the wool over, over voters' eyes because that's what most of them do. They, uh, they campaign on Republican values, they get there, and then they do what the swamp wants them to. They become A lot of them become what they call lieutenants of the Speaker of the House, mm. and so they just do the marching orders of the Speaker of the House. And the Speaker of the House right now, his voting record last session before this one, I think, was at 50% conservative, which is... Oh, he was terrible. He yeah, was terrible. terrible voting yeah, yeah. But he's part of that uh, that leftover Strauss cabal. Yep. I think hopefully one session at a time we're going to get rid of that. I mean, that was power for over 10 years or yeah. 15 years, I think, that, um, that uh, the Strauss cabal has uh, taken over in Austin and given the Democrats um, so much power. What do you think about what do you think about the the Freedom Caucus? We have a a, a Freedom Caucus in uh, Austin. Uh, some of the men, uh, they've some of them have come and gone. They've uh, at, lost a couple of good people. I thought were good conservatives. They've added some. What do you know about those guys? You know, I, uh, so I know that there's some good Republicans that are actually on there, and uh, I've been told there's some that have kind of infiltrated in there that aren't aren't good. Uh, I would say that I like the Freedom Caucus, especially when we look at the federal side, the House Freedom Caucus over there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a congressman that, that I know who had told me one time, he's like, Wes, those guys don't get anything done. And I said, no, 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 they do. They stop y'all from pushing bad legislation. And that's the point is we have to have vocal representatives in there showing the the rest of the of Texas what these people are doing. Because, like I said, they think they're in a fraternity. Uh, there's a staffer that I know who says they literally don't care about the voters. Their goal is to help each other out, help their buddies out, and just get reelected. And they won't do anything conservative unless it's going to affect their their reelection. That's the only time. So when we look at that, uh, we had a we had some I, I would call them token bills, but we had some more con more conservative bills passed this year mm -hmm. than, than in previous elections. We've had a Republican Party majority for 19 years. Yes, sir. And anyways, but you would think in 19 years they could have easily passed all of these conservative issues, and they won't unless it's, there's enough push from the citizens and it's going to affect their reelection. And right now Abbott has three primary challengers that are very strong against him. And anyways, through that, so Abbott is now trying to present himself as a conservative Republican. Oh, he's, yeah, he's really trying. He's trying he's really, trying hard. really uh, hard. I don't think he? people are buying it, though. And, and you know, hopefully people don't forget that he's the guy that mandated the mask. He's the guy that shut down businesses and told you that you're non-essential and you don't deserve to, to make an income for your family. He's the guy that uh, that – allowed the the big box i guess you call them box businesses mm -hmm. to to just reap in mm -hmm. billions of of profit while the rest of us small business guys are, are out We're of work or out of yeah and, and getting uh, shut down so i hope people don't forget that whenever they go into the primary vote this this march before we uh we need to take a short break here but before we go um quickly tell us what you do for a living 
So I'm in the transportation industry. Uh, we do heavy truck repair and and trucking, and I've been doing that since I was since I was born. Uh, other than I went to the Air Force, worked on intercontinental ballistic missiles for I was in six and a half years, and in college. But other than that, you know that's that's been my life is working in the the heavy truck industry. I can just see you as a five year old sitting up in that Kenmore on the top of, oh, on, to, on, on, on the top of a couple of uh, Sears catalogs. We used to be covered in oil as kids. Oh yeah, uh, last went, night. So yesterday I went to Austin, filed my paperwork, went back to Brady, and then I was there till probably about seven or eight last night putting a radiator into a Peterbilt. So. There you go. There you go. All right, folks. When we get back, we're going to talk about the uh, Republican priorities uh, that the grassroots uh, Republicans come up with every two years. And uh, who knows what else we're going to uh, talk about. Go to West Verdell. I should have said this really early. We- uh, Verdell for Texas. Let me spell that for you. V-I-R-D-E-L-L for F-O-R Texas. T-E-X-A-S dot com. Verdell for Texas dot com. Go check it out. And uh, when we get back, we'll have some more questions for Mr. Wesley Verdell. All right, folks, we are back, and I have in studio with me um, Mr. Wesley Verdell, who is running to represent HD 53. Now, there's a lot of counties in that, so I'll forgive you if you don't have it memorized. I don't, <laughs> but you've got Kerr County and then may- basically moving west from there, right? Is there- yeah, I-, I can tell you the main towns in it if you want. All right, go okay, shoot through them. So main towns are Divine, Bandera, Kerrville, Mason, Lano, Brady, Menard, Junction, Ozona, Sonora, Fort Stockton, McCamey, Crane, and Rankin. Good for you. <clears throat> Good job on that. And you. you are, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to visit every one of those places multiple times and get get your face and name out there. Yeah, I actually will. And, and something interesting, uh, so I've been coming to the district for the last two years, uh, you know, knock doors for Chip Roy's campaign when he ran against Wendy Davis, and then I'm mm-hmm. the Gun Owners of America Hill Country Coordinator. So I spent a lot of time down here uh, asking people to come to the Capitol and support our constitutional carry bill that we had in the House. Uh, but anyways, one of the things that, that happened through that process was almost every group that I went and talked to, or I would probably say every group, asked me, will you run against Andy Murr? And uh, they said he never comes to visit us. He doesn't, ever since he won his election seven years ago, he doesn't have anything to do with us. He doesn't help us with our Republican priorities that we need passed through the House. And uh, and anyways, with the redistricting, we got drawn into the district, and here I am. So okay, you mentioned the priorities, and also I'm looking at your website, Verdell. That's with two L's, V I R D E L L, Verdell for F O R Texas dot com, and uh, you uh, have uh, participated in the state convention for the Republican Party of Texas. I did, yeah, and I was a national delegate also. And a national delegate. Now, yeah. I haven't I haven't gotten to that level yet. No, so. I, I got lucky on that. You got lucky on that one. <laughs> so at the state level, now I have been a delegate uh, three out of the last four um, uh, state uh, conventions, and we have, as as people who we go to wherever the convention is, spend the week there. Of course, last year it was a little bit different, but I did go. You were yeah, in, you went, were in Houston. I went to you? Houston also, uh, made the trip down there. And it was 
what was weird was it was just like the Hunger Games when you go outside of, of where the convention was. There was no cars moving, and then there was this tram. You know, there's a tram that runs by there. Yeah. And anyways, on on the there's a little speaker at little pickup points. Yeah. And it would come on talking about COVID, and it sounded just like you were in the Hunger Games. And that voice would come on over you. That was was. I mean, it was it was the weirdest thing. It was eerie. Yeah. It was definitely eerie. And so we were there, but they didn't finish up their business, and we ended up having to do a whole lot online. Yeah. But we did, so you know, my point I wanted to make is that you know how many hours it takes. Those committees meet, some of them meet all night, and what they're working on, folks, for the most part, is to come up with the platform of Texas Republicans and the priorities for the Republican Party of Texas. In other words, if you have an R by your name, you should be supporting those You should be supporting not only the platform, or the vast majority of it. Listen, I give them a break. There's over 300 things on the planks on the platform. I think it might even be 450. 450 right. now? Okay. See, I quit counting. I don't have that many but fingers and well, toes. you should know easily. So when you get to the priorities, absolutely. Uh, I mean, even in the platform, there's some things I don't agree with in the platform. But when it comes to the priorities, if you have an R by your name, I think it is incumbent upon you to... Fight for those agendas. To fight for the, not just say, oh yeah, I'll vote for it if it comes up, but to fight for it. Yeah. So, and so you've been there and, and done all that work and then been so disappointed. How is it, do you, how can you, do you think you can make a difference in bringing up uh, the priorities as a uh, legislator? So my strategy is exposure. It's to actually point out the people who aren't voting for those, those priorities and to expose them to the districts of those voters. I'm, Here's the truth. Representatives should be held accountable to their districts, whether it comes from an outside source telling people what what their representative is doing. Hopefully it's the people within the district that are seeing what that representative is doing. But that's the strategy right now, which Marjorie, I'm messing her name. Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Taylor Green. Green. Uh, I always tongue twist on that one. But anyways, uh, right now she she made a vow, said any Republican in in Congress that doesn't stand up, she will work against them to to help get them uh, out of office. And, And She's doing that so far from what we can see, and that's the thing is is we're supposed to have people there fighting for us, and when we have people, like, let's take Andy Murray, my opponent, uh, whenever Abbott shut down businesses, mandated masks and all that, you can, and I challenge you, go back through his Facebook for the last two years, and during that period, you won't see him one time speak up against uh, Abbott, you won't see him speak up against the mandates, against the vaccine mandates, uh, you won't see him talking about the border, I mean, literally go through there for the last two years, you won't find that information in there where he's saying, Hey, we need to secure the border. We need to, we need to make sure that Liberty is protected and and fight these mass mandates and vaccine mandates. It's quiet as a mouse. I don't know why he won't speak up, but you know, I've talked to other legislators and they just say he did. He does. He's non-confrontational. He doesn't want to, to stir the pot. Mm -hmm. And we don't need that. We need a guy who actually go in there and fight for us. We're supposed to be representing the district, not, not being the, uh, the quiet, uh, quiet guy that's doing the will of the Speaker of the House and the Governor. So You know, all of this goes back to really where we started this conversation, and that's the leadership in the House. Yep. And it's going to take some real bravery, and uh, it just seems like that the good conservatives in the last few sessions just can't get past about 19 or 20 or 14 or 15 yeah. In fact, when I've talked to some insiders uh, up the, up there, and, and from my own experience, truly conservative uh, uh, representatives, there's not before five of them in the Texas House. No, that's, that's a sad part. Uh, something, so I was a military training leader when I was in the Air Force also, and 
and it was uh, in a training environment. So we had thousands of troops coming through through our doors. And the thing I learned through that process is you're either serving your leadership or you're serving your at, in that situation your troops, your people. And uh, Andy Murr is serving a corrupt leadership in Austin. He's not serving the people in this district. And so it's impossible to serve a corrupt leadership and represent the people in your district. And so my plan is not to serve the leadership, but to, to, to serve the people of this district. That's what we're supposed to be. We're the representative of this district. And so this is, I mean, just looking at a map, you would just guess that most of uh, HD 53 is mostly rural. It is. They're mostly, I would imagine, and I don't think I'm making this up, but mostly good Christian conservative yep. people that are not interested in in boys going into girls bathrooms yeah jeff they're younger, not interested in oh yeah the jeff younger story and we're we're i'm um, gonna i'm working on getting jeff back in here we need to uh keep following up on that story yeah but He's, it just seems so strange to yeah. have a go along to get along um representative for this area when this is really a true conservative district let's go through the issues checklist listen i have a theory right. when it comes to vetting of candidates i want to get to know the candidate i want to get to know their their values and their principles and i i it's my idea that if i know your principles then i know how you're going to vote on all the specific issues yep. um and so one instance recently Folks wanted to add the question of, well, do you believe in uh, in vaccine mandates? Well, that type of question, if we'd have asked it two years ago, you would have we'd have all gone what? But if we yeah. knew your principles, we'd know where you stand on that. But let's go ahead and do the issues checklist. Um, life begins at conception. Agreed. Yes, no, yep. you agree? 100%. Can I give you a story on that? So please do. Uh, we had a stillbirth at five months, which is a time period that Democrats still believe that abortion's okay, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And and our stillbirth, you know, it was our our daughter Dylan. Anyways, we're talking fingers, fingernails, everything. That was a full, complete, complete baby right there. And Democrats will tell you that that's just a clump of cells and it's okay to kill it, which is absolutely insane. I consider myself an abolitionist when it comes to abortion, meaning I don't support abortion in any any situation, any form or fashion situation. That's uh, you can't punish the child for something that that's not his fault. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's keep going. Constitutional carry or permitless yep. carry or Second Amendment. So I've been going to the Capitol for probably about ten years, fighting for gun bills. Initially, it was the open carry bills, and then the constitutional carry bills, and then Gun Owners of America asked me if I would join their team, and so that's what I spent this last session focused on was getting constitutional carry passed and the suppressor freedom bills and some other things that were good bills. So we, yeah, the, I'm, I'm telling you, GOA gun owners of America, boy, they really showed up yeah, at awesome. the Capitol. And um, we had a lot of locals engaged in that. Kerrville, yep. Fredericksburg. Um, yeah, y'all's Tea Party does yeah. amazing work at the Capitol. Well, thank you. Thank you. And we, we got a good Second Amendment leader. In fact, we're getting... We're getting several good Second Amendment leaders. Brian is now out of Kerrville, is doing an amazing job. And uh, and so, all right, let's keep going down the list. Election integrity. Yeah, we absolutely have stopped that. We think it happened in a, a race that I helped or that I participated in before where the guy uh, didn't have enough votes to avoid a runoff at midnight. And then mm-hmm. at midnight 30, his home county says, oh, we found some ballots. Here you go. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, yeah, it's. It's a real thing. If you think it doesn't happen in Texas, I promise you it does, and it happens. It's not about whether you're Democrat or Republican. It's about who the highest bidder is. And uh, in a majority 
Republican, I guarantee you there's there's some corrupt Republicans that are cheating in elections. Mm. So the border, the border. If let's let, let's just say you're not let's just make, let's just wave the magic wand. We're going to make you the king of Texas, not the governor. You're the king now. All stop right, all, we'll stop all commercial traffic coming through until they they've put it, put the financial burden on them where they have to start participating in this process of trying to secure our border. And that's talking about Mexico. And then uh, you know, back in April 2020, I took one of my Peterbilts. I uh, went down to Ingleside over by Corpus, picked uh-huh. up nine pieces of the border wall, and hauled it all the way over to Arizona and then delivered it there. So, Oh, wow. How yeah. about that? I have been to that wall. Uh, we Fredericksburg Tea Party made a little uh, uh, tr- uh, trip down there, a day trip a few months ago, and uh, piled into three vehicles and drove down there. I had in my head a 30-foot wall. I kind of knew what 30-foot yeah, was. The, the new wall is, yeah. And, and when I... When we got there and stood at the base of that thirty foot Trump wall, yeah, it, pretty amazing. It, I, it's mind blowing. I have a picture of my Peterbilt next to the wall, and yeah. anyways, my Peterbilt looks small next to that wall. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's you may mentally think you know what thirty feet tall looks like until you stand right underneath it. All right, we got a couple of minutes left. Is there anything we didn't talk about that uh, you would like to uh, talk about in the last couple of minutes? So the floor is yours. You know, my my slogan is more liberty, less government. Uh, government's never the solution, so we have to make sure that that we don't think we don't allow allow government to try to determine what's best for us in our lives. And uh, I do believe, in when it comes to small government, I'm a Jeffersonian Republican, uh, also known as a minarchist, which means I want the smallest form of government possible. And I want people to have the freedom to live their lives as they want without, uh, as long as they don't, as long as they don't do harm to anyone else's life, liberty, or property, people should have the freedom to live their lives. And we don't have a government that advocates for that right now. We have a government that's trying to take away all of our liberties and Mm. we have to stand up to them. Yeah, we do. And it takes, uh, you, you have to be really brave to do that. Folks, um, we're going to one more time tell you, uh, Wesley Verdell's, uh, website. It is Verdell, and I'm going to spell that for you. V as in Victor, I R D E L L F O R, Texas.com. Verdell4Texas.com. Y'all check that out. And um, any of these candidates that come around, um, and I'm challenging Wes right here and right now, he needs to show his face all over HD53. You should be able to. For sure, once personally get to uh, visit with Wes. Yep. It should be more than that. Look for any Republican events in your area, and uh, and if if you're not sure, email me and tell me about it. So because there's sometimes events we don't know about, so I'll gladly make it as long as it's not a scheduled conflict. All right, there you go. You heard it, uh, Wesley Verdell, um, and uh, candidate for House District 53. Folks, y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Um, uh, proud to bring you as many candidates as possible onto the air, whether I support them or not. Um, I believe in choice. Uh, we cannot be still this year so excited about the idea that in this primary we have uh, better challengers 
than we have ever had. It's it's mind blowing that we have this many we have this many opportunities to let the Republican Party know who we want in these offices. Generally, what the primaries look like is a few outlier challenges to the incumbent, and until an incumbent says they're not going to run anymore, nobody does much of anything. Listen, here's the dirty, ugly truth about about uh, supporting an incumbent. It's the easiest job in the world. Even if your incumbent is horrible, it's easier to keep the incumbent in than to, as a Republican Party, promote someone new. So I'm going to go over this process again. The uh, uh, This is how elections and how Republicans get elected into the state of Texas. And you may say, Matt, don't don't talk down to us like we're kindergartners. Well, you've got Republican establishment treating you like your kindergartners these days, and so I want to make sure that this is clearly understood, that the primaries are the process by which we, the members of the Republican Party, are allowed to, as grassroots, choose who we want to be represent the Republican Party in the November election. All right? And so we may be in 15 different camps. <laughs> well, maybe not that many. Um, we've seen races where there's been a, a dozen people, uh, seven people running for in the primary for a Senate office or or 12 people running for this and or that in the primary. That That is the way it is supposed to work. And the Republican establishment just does not like that. Um, they want, once they get someone in, they want them to stay in regardless of the consequences because it's easier. It's easier for an incumbent to raise money. Everything is easier for an incumbent. And so that's where it becomes so necessary for the grassroots to really step up in the primaries and support who you think would be a good representative as a good republican to run in the november election and um after the primaries after march is done and we get maybe if there's a runoff which is in may if we have a runoff for any office then at that point in time the members the grassroots the members the workers of the republican party all right those that always go out and vote for the r those guys then then are have made their choice and it's up to the Republican Party then to get them elected. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we all step out of it and that now it's uh, that's the other somehow that's I'm talking about the other. We're not talking about the other because we're still members of the Republican Party. So, if we, if someone is chosen in the primary that we don't like, right? Does that mean we're going to stay home? Of course it doesn't. But what if what if our guy gets in the primary and, uh, I don't know, Abbott's people don't show up to vote? Is that the fault of the grassroots for not choosing Abbott? No. If, if, if that, that's, that's, we, we don't, we don't get blamed for that. Once the Republican is chosen in the primary then that is who 
the Republican Party of Texas and every precinct and every county should be fighting tooth and nail for that candidate, whether you like them or not. Now, I've been told that Abbott voters will not show up in the November election if Abbott's not elected. I have been told this by two Republican leaders of uh, of, of of high regard, um, and uh, both of them have told me that um, that uh, if uh, Abbott's not chosen, that the chances are the Abbott voters will stay home. I I don't buy that. You don't buy that, do you? Do you buy that? The only reason Abbott voters would stay home if he's not elect, if he's not chosen in the primary is because the Republican Party didn't encourage him enough to get him out there and vote on him. Now, after the primary, we need to support whoever's in there. We don't take our we don't quit and take our toys home. So you may be fighting tooth and nail for Huffines or for or for um west or for chad prather or for any any of the lieutenant governor candidates you may be fighting tooth and nail for them you may fight tooth and nail for your house uh, for a representative in the house now if they don't win in the primary you still need to do your part and your share to keep Texas under the control of the Republican Party. And I say that, it hurts my mouth to even say that, because for 19 years the Republican Party has had control of the Texas House, the Senate, the lieutenant governor, and the governor, and they've gotten, they have done, gotten very little done when it comes to conservative principles. We need leadership in the Texas House that will put Republicans in every in every committee seat. Now, there's a line the Republicans are giving you on this. Listen, I'm going to start uh, feeding you the establishment lies and the establishment stories so you can defend yourself against them. One of the arguments we have heard is that if we if we uh, make all the chairs in the Texas House, if we make them all Republican, then it's going to look just like Washington, D.C., in fact, I've been told that by uh, a, a, a representative that is uh, currently uh, representing the Hill Country. Um, and uh, if uh, he said uh, this was, uh, he said that um, if uh, we give all the Republicans, uh, if we give all the committee seats to Republicans, then it's going to look just like Washington, D.C. That's a false choice. So in other words, we either it's either this, what we have now, or... The only other possibility is that it looks like Washington, D.C. This is what you're going to get told. I promise you, ask your incumbent who is running for re-election, ask that incumbent, why don't we put Republicans in all of those chairs? And this, he's going to reply to you because he's replied to me and a number of other people by saying that if we do that, it will look just like Washington, D.C. That's a false binary choice, as if there was no possible other way that that could end up, right? That it would look either either Washington, D.C. or give a third of our power away to a party that can't win a, a statewide election and hasn't been able to in 19 years 
there are many more outcomes of putting the um, Republicans in charge of every single committee. It does not have to be just Washington, D.C., or the way we have it currently now. Um, and if they're feeding you that line, then they're either incapable of creating a different result, in which case they need to take their, mm, they're not qualified for the job. All right? If, if, they're, if that's the only thing, then I'm not sure that person should be qualified if they think those are the only two possible outcomes. And uh, so be ready when you hear that told to you. Be ready to answer that and or just ask them. Really, there's no no other possibilities. I I think that's very narrow minded, and I think it shows a it just shows a lack of ability to do to, to do this job. So that's one of the stories you're one of the lines you're going to hear, and uh, so be ready for that one. The other one, of course, uh, that I'm working on now is uh, the idea that. Um, if we don't vote for the incumbents, then Beto's going to be the next governor. <laughs> Folks, don't buy this. Please don't buy this. You're smarter than that. Going to go to Jeremiah today. I'm going to go to Jeremiah today. We're in Jeremiah 12 um, this morning. Uh, one through four, this is a prayer of Jeremiah's. Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you, Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? You have planted them. They have also taken root. They grow. They have even produced fruit. You are near to their lips, but far from their mind. But you know me, O Lord. You see me, and you examine my heart's attitude toward, toward you. Drag them off like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for a day of carnage. So uh, Jeremiah is uh, a little upset with God that um, he is allowing the wicked to prosper and uh, the treacherous to uh, uh, continue in their ways. And, uh, yeah, go ahead and read the rest of Jeremiah, and uh, you'll... Um, Find God's answer. Rest of Jeremiah 12. And we'll uh, let you know what God said. Folks, uh, we're going to be here tomorrow. Also on Friday, I have a very special guest, uh, uh, a good longtime friend of mine, preacher. Uh, Mike Sublett is going to talk to us about the importance of the Advent. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>